going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel 26. Sennacherib was an Assyrian king who came against the land of Judah. He had destroyed all the cities of Judah, and he had brought his army up against the last remaining holdout, the city of Jerusalem. And they had surrounded this city, and Sennacherib's messenger began to call out curses upon God. He began to say to the people of Judah, don't think that your God can save you. Every other place we've gone, their gods have not been able to save them, and you'll be no different. Hezekiah heard what they had said, and he saw the message, the letter that he had been sent, and he ultimately takes it, and he rolls it out before God, and he says, Lord, you have heard the blasphemies of those who have spoken against your name. Now, Lord, would you hear and deliver your people? And the Bible tells us that God sent one angel who killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. They woke up the next day, and the Assyrian army was gone. That's the God we serve. But you know, God can deliver you in your circumstance. He's got great power. But I share that story with you because Sennacherib was rebelling against God. He was overtly and intentionally rebelling against God. We need to recognize the seriousness and the danger of rebelling against God. If you're a lost person here today, you don't have a relationship with Christ, there is a sense in which your heart, according to Scripture, is set against God. It's true of every person before they come to Christ. There's a different set of values, a different direction that you're headed. And ultimately, that direction is against God. You say, well, I'm a good person. You're a good, per- a good person outwardly. The Bible says none of us are good inwardly. Uh, God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outer appearance. God looks at the heart. There's a deadline that's going to come at some point in your life or perhaps at your death where your opportunity to trust Christ will be over. At that point, you will face the wrath and justice of a holy God. That's something God wants no one to have to undergo. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're a child of God, you need to hear this warning as well. Not because you're in danger of facing eternal judgment. That's been taken care of for you at the cross. You don't, are not under the wrath of God, but you are, as God's child, somebody important enough to him for him to come into your life and discipline you. If you persist in sin. Hebrews 12 says. Whom the Lord loves. He disciplines. And uh, discipline can be. uh, Very painful in our lives. And so rebellion. That is taking our stand against the will. And purposes of God in our life. Is a dangerous thing to do. Saul. Was rebelling against God. Not only had he rebelled earlier and not following God's instructions, that's how he lost the kingdom in the first place, but now, under his own acknowledged admission, he says, David, I believe that you will be king and that God is with you. He's acknowledging that David is God's choice. And yet, what you find here in this chapter this morning 
is that rather than honoring David as God's anointed king, Saul is still trying to kill him. And what he finds himself doing is setting himself in opposition against the plan, the will, and the purposes of God. He's rebelling against God. We're going to see the danger of that in his life in just a few moments. But I just want to encourage each and every person here that we need to recognize the danger of rebellion against God and make a choice in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who enables us to repent, to turn from our sin in our own way to follow Christ. And if you don't know Christ, to receive him as your Lord and Savior uh, before that time of the deadline comes. So the title of my message is The Danger of Rebellion Against God. Look at me at 1 Samuel 26 and verse 1. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, David is hiding on a hill of Hakalah opposite Jeshimon. So Saul, accompanied by 3,000 of the choice men of Israel, went to the wilderness of Ziph to search for David there. Saul camped beside the road at the hill of Hakalah opposite Jeshimon. David was living in the wilderness and discovered Saul had come there after him. So David sent out spies and knew for certain that Saul had come. Immediately David went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw the place where Saul and Abner son of Ner, the, key, uh, the general of his army, were lying down. Saul was lying inside the inner circle of the camp with his troops camped around him. Then David asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Joab's brother, Abishai son of Zeruiah, who will go up with me into the camp of Saul? I'll go with you, answered Abishai. That night, David and Abishai came to the troops, and Saul was lying there asleep in the inner circle of the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. Abner and the troops were lying around him. Then Abishai said to David, Today God has handed your enemy over to you. Let me thrust a spear through him into the ground just once. I won't have to strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. For who can lift a hand against the Lord's anointed and be blameless? David added, as the Lord lives, the Lord will certainly strike him down. Either his day will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. However, because of the Lord, I will never lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. Instead, take the spear and the water jug by his head and let's go. So David took the spear and the water jug by his, Saul's head and they went their way. No one saw them. And no one knew, and no one woke up. They all remained asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord came over them. David crossed to the other side and stood on the top of the mountain at a distance. There was considerable space between them. Then David shouted to the troops and Abner, son of Ner, Aren't you going to answer, Abner? Who are you who calls to the king, Abner asked. David called to Abner, You're a man, aren't you? Who in Israel is your equal? So why didn't you protect your Lord the King when one of the people came to destroy him? What you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, all of you deserve to die since you didn't protect your Lord, the Lord's anointed. Now look around. Where are the king's spear and the water jug that were by his head? Saul recognized David's voice and asked, Is that you, my son David? It is my voice, my Lord the King, David said. Then he continued, why is my Lord pursuing his servant? What have I done? What evil is in my hand? Now my, may the Lord, the king, please hear the words of his servant. 
If it is the Lord who has incited you against me, may he accept an offering. But if it is people, may they be cursed in the presence of the Lord. For today they have driven me away from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go and worship other gods. So don't let my blood fall to the ground far from the Lord's presence. For a king of Israel has come out to search for a fleet, like one who pursues a partridge in the mountains. Saul responded, I have sinned. Come back, my son David. I will never harm you again because today you considered my life precious. I have been a fool. I have committed a grave error. David answered, Here is the king's spear. Have one of the young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his loyalty. I wasn't willing to lift my hand against the Lord's anointed, even though the Lord handed you over to me today. Just as I considered your life valuable today, so may the Lord consider my life valuable and rescue me from all trouble. Saul said to him, you are blessed, my son David. You will certainly do great things and will prevail. Then David went on his way and Saul returned home. The danger of rebelling against God. This is just an episode in Saul's life as well as in David's life. But ultimately it's not the full story. If you read on in 1 Samuel, you'll find ultimately that Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of Saul's sons all die in battle. The very thing David predicts in this chapter happens to Saul. Saul has given lip service to repentance time after time after time, but his heart has remained unchanged. And God is working in his life and trying to get him to see that he needs to repent and trying to give him opportunities to repent, but Saul continues to neglect the opportunities. Uh, why is it dangerous to rebel against God? What are the dangers? Well, first of all, your protection fails. Your protection fails. If you go back to the beginning of the story of Saul's life, you find that Saul, when he was first anointed by Samuel as king over Israel, God was with him. The protection of God was upon him. He went out to fight his enemies, and God gave him great victory. God protected him from his enemies. But now you find that Saul's protection has gone away. If it were not for the integrity of David, Saul would be dead twice over now. Because God has taken his hand of protection off of Saul. Twice in this chapter, it mentions that Saul is in the middle of his men. Look at, look at uh, verse 5. Immediately David went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw the place where Saul and Abner son of Ner, the general of his army, were lying down. Saul was lying inside the inner circle of the camp with the troops camped around him. Why? For protection. Look at verse 7. That night, David and Abishai came to the troops, and Saul was lying there asleep again. In the inner circle of the camp, with his spear stuck in the ground by his head, Abner and the troops were lying around him. Now, isn't this ironic? He's got his whole army. He's in the center, and all of his army is surrounding him, and yet no one can stop David and Abishai as they advance. Why? Well, we find later that God has put them into a deep sleep. His protection is gone. There's his own spear sticking in the dirt by his head. 
Abishai says, David, let me, let me strike him. This, this miserable guy doesn't deserve to live. Let me strike him, David. I'll just strike him one time. I guarantee you it'll take care of him. David says, no, he's the Lord's anointed. We're not going to do that. And David spares his life. But the protection of Saul. When Saul wakes up and he hears David crying across the ravine and, and he recognizes what has come, what is God trying to do in his life? He's saying, Saul, Saul, repent. You're in danger, Saul. My hand is removed from you. Humble yourself. Repent before it's too late. He's showing Saul through these episodes in his life that his hand of protection is removed. Have you had any close calls lately? I'm not saying that every close call is a warning from God, but it can be. You need to pay attention to the situations and circumstances of your life if you're living in sin and recognize that sometimes God gives a shot across the bow, so to speak, to warn you of either, as a lost person, his ultimate judgment, or secondly, as a saved person, his discipline. Recognize that God's protection will be removed. Not only was God's protection removed from Saul, but all of those around Saul were put in danger as well. Saul's general, Abner, who was a good man, his army, just following the orders of the king, all of them were placed in danger because they had set themselves against the purposes of God and were rebelling against God in cooperation with the king. They were also put at risk because of Saul's decisions in his life. I want to tell you something. When you rebel against God, it doesn't just affect you. It affects people around you. It affects your family. It affects your friendships. It affects your church. It affects this community. I want you to know something. Sin is a terrible thing. It pollutes, it corrupts, and it harms Saul's protection was removed, and as a result, others in his life. I, I don't know what may happen in, in your life, but the Bible says that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Is your protection removed because of a rebellious heart? Some people say, well, I know God says to forgive, but I refuse to forgive that person. You're in rebellion against God. Well, God, I know God's word says this, but... You're in rebellion against God. I know I should do this, but you're in rebellion against God. You see, we need to respond to the Word of God and the Spirit of God, God in our lives in obedience. Why? Because one way, it is an act of worship to God. But in another way, it is a protection from God. Did you know obedience itself is a protection? God has designed us to live life his way. And when we don't, what we find is that things in our life begin to not go the way that they should go. We miss out on God's best. Don't allow that to happen to you. If you don't know Christ, the Bible says Jesus died for your sin and rose again. And if you're willing 
to surrender your heart to him and receive his salvation. He'll save your soul because of what Jesus did. Jesus lived the perfect life in your place. He died the death and took the penalty that you deserved and I deserved. And if you'll put your trust in Jesus, he'll save you. If you already know Jesus, you say, what should I do? First of all, confess your sin to God. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will begin a work of cleansing in your life when you admit your sin. I sinned when I fill in the blank. Just be honest with God. Uh, Secondly, pray for a heart of repentance. Uh, Then choose to repent, to turn from your sin and your own way to follow Christ in obedience. And as you do that, ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit to empower you to live the godly life that God has called you to live. So, the danger of rebelling against God, first of all, your protection fails. Secondly, your guilt increases. Your guilt increases. Abishai is wanting to kill Saul. In verse 9, David says to Abishai, don't destroy him. For who can lift a hand against the Lord's anointed and be blameless? Now, David is just telling Abishai why he's not going to kill Saul. But here's an indictment for Saul. What is Saul doing? Samuel has anointed David king. Saul is raising his hand against the Lord's anointed. Not just once, not just twice, but time after time after time after time after time. His guilt is increasing. I want you to understand something. If you're lost... Your guilt increases, and there comes a point at which judgment comes. If you're saved, your judgment has been carried out upon Christ. Your guilt has been carried out upon Christ. You are under grace, not under law. Praise God for that. God's not waiting to zap you when you do something wrong, but I need to tell you something. God does discipline his children. And if you persist in sin over and over and over and over again, God will discipline you, and you need to understand that. And he may not wait eight or nine times or however many times Saul came against David. He may do it more quickly. That's up to God's judgment. God disciplines us as we need it, and he knows how we need it. And so he knows what's best to do in our lives to steer us in the right direction, but your guilt increases. Sometimes the sin of God's people can be so great that God takes them to heaven early. This is, by the way, is New Testament, in case you're wondering. Well, that's Old Testament. This is New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira sold their land, as many were doing in the church in Jerusalem to help the poor. They sold their land, but kept back part of the proceeds for themselves and lied about it to Peter. Well, see, what they didn't realize, they were really lying to the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that God struck them dead at that moment. God doesn't do that often, aren't you glad? (laughs) Otherwise, there'd be a whole lot of empty churches. But you need to recognize that as you persist in sin as a child of God, there will come a point at which God will discipline you, and it will not be pleasant. 
recognize that, repent of that, confess that to God, ask God to change your heart, um, ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit so you can live that righteous life that God desires. If you're a lost person, there's only one thing you can do, and that is come to Jesus Christ. I love what the scripture says in the New Testament. Jesus is speaking about the Pharisee who was proud, and he's saying, Lord, I thank you that I'm not as other men. And he's bragging about his righteousness, but he really doesn't even know God. He's just religious. This publican is bowed down, is beating against his breast and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, that man went home justified. When you come to Jesus and you ask for mercy, God gives it every time. Thief on the cross, you remember that? He's being put to death. For his crimes. People say he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. I've heard people say that before. God won't forgive a criminal. Oh yes he will. Thief on the cross says Lord remember me. In your kingdom Jesus said today you'll be with me in paradise. He just brought it to Jesus. He said Lord I'm guilty. I need your grace. I need what only you can provide. The salvation that only you can provide. He did it before it was too late. So the danger of rebelling against God. Your protection fails. Your guilt increases. Thirdly, your God intervenes. Verse 10. David added, as the Lord lives. He's speaking about Saul. He says, the Lord will certainly strike him down. Either his day will come and he'll die. Or he will go into battle and perish. He's talking to Abishai. He's saying, look, there's a principle you need to understand, Abishai. I don't have to worry about Saul. God is ultimately going to take care of him. There will come a point at which God will intervene in the situation. I tell you what, um, I remember when I was a little boy, sometimes I'd get out of line and I'd be giving my mom a hard time and she would say these words, I'm going to tell your daddy when he gets home. All of a sudden I sobered up because I knew what was coming and it wasn't going to be pleasant. And my parents loved me, but I knew that there was a situation in which my dad was going to intervene. I want to tell you something. If you're a child of God, your dad will intervene. He will intervene. If you're lost, if you don't know Christ, the Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. There will be a day of judgment, and God will hold you responsible. You say, well, I'm not as bad as this other guy. It doesn't matter. I was reading this morning in my quiet time, Matthew chapter 5. The last verse of Matthew chapter 5 says, Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. If there's anybody here who would raise their, I'm not asking you to, but would raise your hand and say, I'm perfect, you just sinned again. You just lied. There's none of us perfect. The Bible says there's no one righteous, no, not one. There's no one who has always done the right thing. There's no one who has failed at sometimes to do the right to the, to do the wrong thing. What about honor your father and mother? One of the Ten Commandments. You ever been disrespectful to your parents? Every child who's ever lived has. We're guilty, and just one sin. Think about this for a second. Adam and Eve in the garden. God, did you know they only had one thing to worry about? 
God gave them no commandments except one. Don't eat of that tree. That's the only commandment they had. Complete freedom, do whatever they want. Just don't eat of that tree. And the Bible says that Satan tempted them. Eve took of the fruit. She gave some to Adam. They both ate. She disobeyed God. You think one sin doesn't matter? The Bible says because of their one sin, so death has passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Sin began, began at that moment. And until the time where Jesus Christ, the God-man, came to this earth, every single man who ever took a breath sinned. God told Adam the day on which you eat thereof, you will surely die. Some people say, well, God didn't keep his promise. Oh, yes, he did. The day that Adam ate of the fruit, he died spiritually. Things were never the same between Adam and God. There was a breach of fellowship. Adam had to live outside the garden. Uh, the fellowship that he once had with God was never the same because of one sin. Praise God. One sin. Though it can have an effect and has had an effect on every human being that's ever lived. One Savior can reverse it. That's what Romans chapter 5 says. Though sin came into the world and through this one man, death by sin, praise God, where sin abounded, there did grace much more abound. Jesus Christ lived my perfect life I couldn't live. He died the death I deserved, took the wrath of God and the justice of God upon himself so that I could be forgiven and rose from the dead in victory. And the Bible says that I stand in his grace. Hallelujah. I don't ever have to worry about the justice of God or the wrath of God as a child of God. I do need to be concerned about his discipline while I'm here. So, danger of rebelling against God. Your protection fails. Your guilt increases. Your God intervenes. And finally, your sleepiness endangers. Verse 12. David took the spear and water jug by Saul's head. They went their way. No one saw them. No one knew. No one woke up. They all remained asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord came over them. This is a principle in Scripture. You see it over and over again in the Bible. People begin to rebel willfully against God. And it becomes a pattern in their life. You remember Pharaoh when Moses was coming and saying, let my people go. And the Bible says he hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. He hardened his heart time after time after time. And finally it says God hardened his heart. There will come a point in your life if you persist in sin as a lost person and you'll harden your heart against God, you'll rebel against God where the time period of God's grace will be over and God will set you aside to judgment and the Holy Spirit of God will no longer deal with you in your heart. It's a tragedy. A deadline. So, your sleepiness will endanger you. As you sin, you become more and more callous to the things of God. Your heart gets more and more dull to the things of God. As you're exposed to the things of God, you become hardened to them over time. That's why many people can sit in message after message after message after message 
hearing the gospel and they don't respond because their heart has become hard. They've said no so many times that now there's a, there's a difficulty there. Saul had sinned so many times against God that now God is taking action against Saul and judgment has begun and he is in a sleep in his life. I want to tell you something. When you persist in sin against God, you will be, there will be a slumber that comes over your life and you won't know what's going on. One of the most sobering scriptures is found in Proverbs 7 where he's describing the young man who goes to the prostitute and he says this, and he knew not that it was for his life. He lost everything. He knew not why his heart had become dull with the things of God. It's very dangerous to persist in rebellion against God. Your sleepiness, as we mentioned before, just uh, doesn't just endanger you, it endangers everyone around you. Your family, your, your friendships. You know, praise God for His grace, but uh, that sleepiness is a dangerous thing. You say, I'm convicted by God today. If you're convicted by God, if God has pointed out some things in your life, maybe there's a certain thing He's pointed out in your life, you've not been obedient, you know what it is. What you need to do, while you're being convicted, while you have the opportunity, you need to respond. The wonderful thing about God is, no matter what sin you've committed, <clears throat> He always receives a sinner who comes for grace. There's not one example you can ever find of Jesus turning somebody away who came to him for grace. Some who wouldn't come to him for grace because they were self-righteous, they missed out. But every person who confessed their sin and said, Lord, be merciful to me. Lord, would you help me? Every time Jesus responded in the positive. <clears throat> I love the scripture in Isaiah where God says to Israel, he says, come, let us reason together. Though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. I want to tell you something. There's nothing the blood of Jesus can't cleanse. There's no sin too deep or too dark or too horrible that God can't forgive. Jesus said these words on the cross. It is finished. Paid in full is what it means. Everything that had to be paid was paid at Calvary. Come for your grace. Why you have the opportunity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for the, the warnings that you give us, Lord, because we don't want to be under your discipline. We don't want those who are, who are lost to be ultimately under your wrath and judgment. God, I pray that uh, whoever in this place this morning has felt your conviction about some sin in their lives, God will respond to you this morning. By saying, Lord, I confess my sin to you. I choose to turn from my sin. I ask you to help me in that. And to live through me. Fill me with your spirit. Uh, and, Lord, just help us follow you in faith. And if, if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus, help them make that first decision to surrender and put their trust in Christ before it's too late. And I pray it in Jesus' name.